Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise God. I'm talking about the lifestyle of faith. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. I'll be reading through verse 39. He says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has a great repayment of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who comes will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, I started on this two weeks ago, and when I was in the first verse, we talked about cast not away your confidence, which has great repayment of reward. That word for confidence in the Greek is the word parousia, and it means to have a bold confession. So I talked about that, first of all, we need to have a bold confession of Jesus, We need to have a bold confession of faith, and we need to have a bold confession, amen, of the Word of God, making no apologies for who we are and what we believe, amen? He goes on in verse 36, and he says, for you have need of patience after you have done the will of God that you might receive the promise. Now, a few weeks ago, I was visiting with my good friend, Jimmy Alexander. Jimmy's over here. He has a great ministry, him and his wife, Anne. And I was telling Jimmy, Jimmy, with all the challenges and difficulties and problems we faced and all the drama, I said, I want to tell you one thing, that Jesus, the Lord, has been really, really faithful to us. In fact, his faithfulness is amazing. And Jimmy told me this. Jimmy gave me this word. I said, the Lord has been really faithful to Barbara and I been really faithful to my family. He's done so much for me. I'm so thankful. But Jimmy told me this scripture in in Hebrews 10, verse 36, when it says you have need of patience, he said, Lawson, that is a different Greek word that is used for patience than anywhere else in the scripture. And it's really talking about being constant, consistent, right? A patient endurance. It means being unswayed in the face of adversity. And he said, you and Barbara are two of the most consistent people that I've ever seen. And he says, I believe that's why God's brought you through all this without a lot of difficulty. I mean, it's not there aren't difficulties, but uh, you know, you just keep moving forward. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what faith, we talked about the confession of faith, but today I want to talk about what faith looks like. Now, one of the people, when I think about people of faith that I love in the Bible, one of my favorite Old Testament characters is Joseph, the son of Jacob, the dreamer. Praise God. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 2 that Jacob had a son, Joseph, and he was 17 years old, and he was helping take care of his father's flock. And while he was out there taking care of his father's flock, he had a dream. And in this dream, he had 11 brothers, and they were gathering shocks in the field, and their shocks came and bowed down to his shock. And after this, he had another dream. 
And he saw 11 stars, and the 11 stars bowed down to him, and then the sun and moon bowed down to him. And the Bible says that his brothers envied him for his dreams. His father kept that saying in his heart. After a period of time, his father sent Joseph. His brothers were taking care of the flocks in another area to, to take some things to them, and they saw him. His father had given him a coat. It was a coat of human affection. It was a very pretty coat. Isn't it amazing how the LBGTQ community has taken something that's so beautiful and tried to make it ugly? I used to have this shirt that had pink and green and yellow and purple and blue. I loved it. I remember wearing it. Years ago, I was here in Colorado Springs. I was shopping somewhere at a you know, big box store. And this lady said, that shirt reminds me of Joseph of the Bible. I said, it does me too. <laughs> Hallelujah. But his brother saw him coming in that pretty coat way down the road. And they said, hey, the dreamer comes. Let's see what's going to happen to his dreams. And they took Joseph and they threw him in a pit. A few days later, their Ishmaelite cousins were coming by on their way to Egypt. And they said, hey, rather than kill him, why don't we sell him? Let's make some money. And they sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. Joseph was carried away into Egypt, and he was sold there on an auction block. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 and 2. He was sold to Potiphar. He was the chief of the guard of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the head of the Egyptian empire. At that time, it was the greatest empire of the world. Joseph was sold as a slave, and he served in Potiphar's house. And the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And Potiphar made him the head of his whole house. In fact, Potiphar saw that the Lord blessed him for Joseph's sake. Potiphar went on a long journey. Joseph was in charge of everything. Potiphar's wife looked at him with a lustful eye and said, lay with me. He said, I can't do that. How can I do that evil? And sin against God. And so they... Joseph was there, and one day she was in the house, and nobody else was there, and she said, lie with me. And she grabbed onto his coat, and he ran, left his coat in her hand. She held that coat till Potiphar came back and said, that Hebrew servant that you brought in here, he tried to, you know, attack me, and I hollered, and I screamed. And they took Joseph, and they put Joseph in the prison. But the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord made everything that Joseph did in the prison to prosper. Joseph was in the prison for a period of time. And after he had been there, two of Pharaoh's uh, workers, head workers, his chief butler and his chief baker, there was a conspiracy in the house of the king, were thrown into the prison. One day Joseph came in and he noticed that they were unhappy. They had been there a couple of years and it was unusual that somebody, you know, would be unhappy in jo Joseph's ward of the prison. He took such good care of them. And so as he, he, he went in, he said, why are you guys so sad today? They said, well, we dreamed a dream. He said, well, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me the dream. So they told him, and he told the butler, he said, hey, in three days, they're going to figure out what went wrong, and you're going to be restored. The baker, seeing that that was a positive interpretation, said, well, I had a dream too. 
He told him the dream, and Joseph said, well, in three days, they're going to find out that you're the problem. They're going to hang you from a tree, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And it happened just like Joseph said. Joseph said, now remember me when you come into Potiphar's house, because I don't belong here. Or when you come into, right, the, the Pharaoh's house. But he forgot Joseph. Two years later, the Pharaoh had a dream, and his dream troubled him, and nobody could interpret it. He said, I remember my evil. There's a young Hebrew boy in the prison. His name is Joseph. He's a young man now. And he said, I had a dream and the baker had a dream. He interpreted the dreams that came to pass just like he said. Pharaoh said, go get Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph arose and he shaved himself and he cleaned himself. He got prepared to go into the presence of the king. This is really interesting. You know what? Joseph's dad gave him his coat, and his brothers gave it, took it away. His boss gave him a coat, and his boss's wife took it away. Now the prison keeper gave him a coat, but he took that one off. He got ready to go in the presence of the king, and he went in before Pharaoh. He said, listen, your two dreams are one. There's going to be seven years of tremendous prosperity, followed by seven years of terrible famine. And this is what you need to do. You need to take 20% of the good years. Everybody remember 20%. 20%. Pastor Lawson is a 20% person. That you take the first 10% and you give it to God. You take the next 10% and you save it and you live off the rest. You can give more than 10%, but you take the first 10 and give to God and you save the next 10 and there'll never be a famine come that you won't be able to make it through. I taught my boys that they're every one of them blessed, every one of them serving God. Every one of their families blessed, amen? Because they live by that principle of the 20%, one-fifth. Joseph did that. He piled up corn like the sand of the sea. People in, in the Egyptian, they say, what is wrong with Joseph? He's got so much corn. You know, when we first started this church, we had a man that used to take offerings here. His name was Larry Perino. He came when we had about 30 people. And Larry Perino said, he went to a great big church and went to our church and said, the Lord told me to go to your church. He used to take off offerings up for me. He said, the Lord showed me that you're a Joseph. Do you know I have people get mad at me? They say, what is this church doing with all this money? We're getting ready for the next great opportunity that God is going to give Karis Christian Center. And mark my words, God will give us a great opportunity. And when that door opens, we'll know it, and we'll go through, and we'll pay cash. Hallelujah. You know, that makes some people mad. That makes some people uncomfortable. But you know what? You need to do what Jesus tells you to do. Hallelujah. And I've been doing what Jesus told me to do for a long time. In fact, when we walked into this building, we paid cash. And by the way, we had to pay cash or you couldn't bid. Hallelujah. And we got it for cents on the dollar. We paid 5.7 million. It took us 2 million to build it out. We've got 7.7 .7 million, and they just gave us a, a tax evaluation of $28.9 million for this build. I argued with them and got it down a little bit. But you know, that is Jesus Christ, and that is his provision. 
Amen. And there's more where that came from. Hallelujah. But Joseph was there. And Pharaoh said, can we find anybody like Joseph in whom is the spirit of God? We put him in charge. And they brought Joseph and they put Pharaoh's robe on him and Pharaoh's ring on him. And Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. It says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 46, that he was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. Jesus was 30 years old when he entered the ministry. David was 30 years old when he became king over all of Israel. My mentor, Dr. Lester Summerall, said, you got 30 years to learn, and you got 30 years to use what you learn, and then after that, you've got to give it away. I'm almost 60. And he said, hopefully by the time you're that old, somebody want to receive what you have to give. And we're going to be giving more and more and more away in the future. In fact, last week, I was taking care of a church. Praise God. In fact, when we started this church, I, I, I bought a house and it took me five months to find it. And I had to go to six banks before I found a banker that would finance me. And that was with 50% down. And, and, and you know, uh, we, we were fixing up that house. It's over in the southwest side of town. And in July, I fell asleep in a catnap, July 2021, as I was working on that house. Took about a 15-minute nap. And when God woke me up, he said, Lawson, I haven't called you here for a church. I've called you here for churches. And we've got churches that have come out of this church. The first fruit was J.D. Link. He's in Blanco, Texas, and he has a great church there. Hallelujah. He was raised up in two years and went out. Praise God. And then, you know, we got Max Cornell in Kansas City, and he's raising up a great church, and we helped him buy his building, and it's supernatural. And then there's Brian Clark, and he's over in North Carolina, Greenville or Greensboro or Green something, amen? North Carolina, Brian and Ashley Clark got a great church there, praise God. And we, I was last week with Deborah and Mike Klingenpeel in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and they got a great church. I just heard from a pastor. I went and visited him on my vacation in February. February said, don't say this, say this. Two weeks later, God gave him opportunity to buy a great building for a church. He had had a church for years and years, never had a building. I said, quit saying this and say this. There were three full price offers on the building. One of them was cash. I said, here's how to get it. Go in and tell them this. Guess what? We got it. He sent me a text this week, a picture that last Sunday they had their first Sunday in their new church. We're helping churches. Not only are we helping churches, we're helping people all around the world in missions and preaching the gospel. In fact, if this church has supported you in the past or supports you in any way financially in a ministry or outreach or something like that, just stand up right now. I want to show you something. Right there's eight. Hallelujah. The nations of the world are included. Amen. You didn't stand up. You did stand up. I didn't see you. Hallelujah. We just started. We're helping Pastor Rick. He's great ground. If he gives you a letter and wants some money, give him some money. Hallelujah. All right. But we're help we had more in the first service. Did you know what? We're helping people in all kinds of ministries, in all kinds of ways. Hallelujah, there's some more that didn't stand up, I saw. Hallelujah, there's 10 of them in here right now. 10 ministries. Do you know this happens all the time? People come from all around the world. We're sowing seed into the nations of the world. We're sowing seed in America. We're sowing seed. We're sowing good seed in good ground, and God is blessing it and bringing us a harvest. Hallelujah. My harvest is determined by my seed. If you don't like my harvest, maybe you haven't seen my seed. Hallelujah.
I am intentional on doing what God told me to do. Joseph was there. He gathered up corn like the sand of the sea. First year, for seven years, people thought Joseph was crazy. But then, you know what? He bought all the, first of all, he got all the grain. He had all the grain. Then he got all the livestock. Then he bought all the people, all the land. He got all the people. And Joseph made Pharaoh the richest man on the planet because he had a vision. But he not only had a vision, he had a plan. Hallelujah. My mentor, Dr. Lester Sumrall, was a man of great vision. When he was 17 years old, he was on his deathbed. The doctor came and signed his death certificate. At night, he told his mama he won't make it until morning. But that night, while he was in bed, he had a vision. On one end of the, the bed, he saw a great Bible. He said it was life-size and it was open. On the other side of the bed, he saw a casket. He said, it was just my size. And Jesus told him, Lester, you can preach or you can live. He said, I'll preach. Hallelujah. He got up the next morning. He came downstairs. He said, his mama looked like she saw a ghost. He said, mama, fix me some breakfast. She said, what do you want? He said, I want bacon and eggs and biscuits and gravy and grits. She said, what happened to you? He said, I had a vision of Jesus, and this is what I saw. Hallelujah. A little bit later, he was sitting around the house. The Lord said, well, I upheld my end of the bargain, but you haven't upheld yours. So he went out and got him a man to lead praise and worship. He went out to a country town. He found an abandoned schoolhouse. He said, who has the key to that schoolhouse? They told him his farmer. He went and found the farmer. He was plowing in a field. He said, I went and I took that. He had the key around his neck with a leather string. He said, I took that off his neck and I went and opened the doors and cleaned that place up. Told people we're having gospel meetings tonight. He said a few farmers showed up that night and chewed and spit tobacco and laughed. He thought, I'm going to be out of this deal. And one night, nobody else is going to come back and hear me. The next night, the place was full. There were women. There were children. There were people of all ages. He said, he, he stayed there 30 days preaching. People were saved. People were healed. People were filled with the Holy Ghost. And a church was born. People sent forth from that church, amen, carrying on the ministry. And, and then God called him to start traveling. He left that in the hands of a pastor, went out and started traveling. He was preaching about three years later. He's 20 years old. First vision, Bible, the casket. One night he was preaching a revival. A young girl came forward. He said, do you want to get saved? She said, well, I don't know. He said, well, go to hell then. He said, she fainted. He said, I was preaching not because I love people, but I was preaching to live. Not long after that in a meeting, he got there to preach and he didn't get to preach. He fell out under the power. He said, I was in a beautiful white suit. He said, I rolled around all over the floor for about two hours. And he said, I, I had a vision of the nations of the world and I saw African people and I saw Asian people and I saw Russian people and I saw European people and I saw Hispanic, Hispanic people. He said, I saw people from all the nations of the world and they were going up a precip. He said, I noticed as they got to the top that they, they were trying to stop but they couldn't stop because the force of humanity was pushing them over the edge and I looked over the edge and I saw them falling into hell. And God said, I have required their blood at your hands. He said, God, I've never seen these people. 
God said, Lester, these are the people that I have called you to preach the gospel to. And he began to preach from that point in time with a passion for souls. He was part of a full gospel denomination for a period of time. When he's 50, they told him, Lester, you are 50 and you're finished. He said, I cried out to God and God said, Lester, you haven't even got started. I was with him in November of 1987 in Jerusalem. And God gave him a vision. He saw a vision of a river of blood. And out of that river came a tree with three branches. And one of them, he said, he, he, he began to tell the vision immediately in Jerusalem while I was there. You see, I was going to Bible school and I had 42 credit hours from Berean School of the Bible that Dr. Shirley had done 64, but Dr. Shirley had transferred for 42 of them. And I said, what can I do to get my two-year degree in one year so I can go do what God called me to do? He said, well, you can take this history class. You can go to Jerusalem, go to Israel with Dr. Sumrall. I said, that sounds good. I'll do that. I graduate in one year instead of two. So I was with him in November of 1987. He said, and he had this vision of a river of blood with a tree coming out of it, three branches. One, he said, we're going to feed the third world people of the world. Number two, he said, we're going to do it through the hands of pastors. Number three, he said, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to feed the hungry and preach the gospel, and we're going to do it through the church. And you know what? He said, we're going to get a military C-130, and we're going to buy a great big ship, and we're going to take food to the nations of the world. Do you know he came back to America? And you know what they told him? He asked the U.S. government, will you give me a permit to have a C-130? They said, there's never been a civilian organization have a military C-130, we'll never give you one. You know what he did? He went to the South Bend Airport, he bought a great big piece of land, and he built a hangar for a C-130. They are giant planes. They got four big motors on them. Right? You've seen them flying around here. So they, they've hauled tanks around in hundreds of troops. Hallelujah. He got one, got a permit. Remember where they had the problem with the Kurds? They flew from Europe, worked with different ministries, flew over there to the Kurds every day and dropped off food, saved thousands of people and gospel tracts from dying, got many, many people saved. Hallelujah. They used to bring the ship into the Gulf and, and we, would, we would take wheat from Kit Carson, Colorado, send it to Merck McPherson, Kansas, have it ground, put in 20-pound bags, put it on the ship. I was with him in 1991 in St. Petersburg, Russia, the week after the coup. They didn't know whether to call it Leningrad or St. Petersburg. We were in Moscow the week before that, handing out tracks on Red Square. They didn't know what to do with us. They just had a coup the week before. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God, they rented a big stadium, and Rod Parson was preaching, and, and, and uh, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty was preaching, Dr. Lester Summer. I went back there over 15 years later, and I met a pastor, and guess what? That pastor, I preached at his church. He was born again in the meetings in 1991. <laughs> Hallelujah. Revival broke out. You see, he ran with a vision, and he lived with that vision until he went home to be with Jesus at 83 years old in 1996. He wrote a big book on run with the vision. But there's another person I want to talk about for a little bit. His name is Abraham. He is the father of our faith. And Abraham, when he was 75 years old, you can read about it in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 4. 
God spoke to him and God said, Abraham, listen, I want you to go where I tell you to go. I want you to do what I tell you to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4 says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken. He was 75 years old. God gave him the promise when he was 75 years old. Then in Genesis chapter 15, he was praying and he had a vision. And the Lord said, fear not, Abram, I am your... Let's turn there. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. I am your shield. I'll protect you in your exceeding great reward. I'll bless you. Isn't it good when God blesses you and he protects you? And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. What will you give me? He said, Listen, if we don't get it to the next generation, we're going to fail. Verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This will not be your heir, but he will come forth out of your bowels, will be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and he said, Look toward the heaven and tell me the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, So shall thy, be, thy seed be. The Lord gave him a word picture. Do you know sometimes a picture can help you with your faith? you got to get a picture on the inside of what God wants to do on the outside. And he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him. It was imputed to him for righteousness. So God gave him the promise when he was 75, and he believed in the Lord of the promise when he was 83. How many of you know you need to believe in the God of the promise? And then when he was 99 years old, he was praying, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Walk before me and be thou perfect and I will multiply you exceedingly. When he said, I am the Almighty God, he said, I am Jehovah, I, I am the Lord. What did he say? I am El Shaddai. I am the God who's more than enough. I'm the breasty one. I'm the one who has so much sufficiency running out of me. You don't even have room enough to receive it. And as Abram was there and the Lord was speaking to him, he said, make my covenant with you in verse 2 and multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you will be a father of many nations. Neither will your name be any more Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. Hallelujah. God changed his identity to change his destiny. So God gave him the promise when he was 75. God, he believed in the Lord of the promise when he was 83. Now when he's 99, he identified with the promise. Some of you are having a hard time receiving the promise because you haven't identified with the, with the promise. You need to identify with what God says about you. You need to quit identifying with weakness and sin and sickness and failure and start identifying with Jesus. In Genesis chapter 21, it says this. He was 100 years old. Did you know one year after he identified with the promise, he received the promise? 
The Lord visited Sarah as the Lord had spoken, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham's son in his old age at a set time which God spoke to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, who Sarah bare him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, and all that hear shall laugh with me. They were rejoicing in the promise. Amen? So God made a promise when he was 75. Abraham believed in the Lord of the promise when he was 83. When he's 99, he identified with the promise. When he's 100, he received the promise. But you know, there's another thing that happened in Genesis chapter 22. Isaac had grown up. He had become a young man. And the Lord spoke to Abraham. And he said, listen, Abraham, I want you to go to a mountain that I show you. I want you to go to a place that I show you. And I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to offer him up as an offering there. And Abraham took Isaac. I studied the Thompson chain reference. It says Abraham was 125 years old. Do you know what we call that? We call that 50 years of faith in God. We call that a lifestyle of faith. And Abraham took his son and he got ready to offer him. He was looking at the Temple Mount. When you see the pictures of Jerusalem, you can see that beautiful temple. I believe he was going up. He's going up. He was looking there. If he was coming from the west, he was looking at that Temple Mount. He takes Isaac up there. He gets ready to offer him. He binds him to the altar. He, he takes his knife. He's ready to slay him. And the Lord called to him from, from heaven. And the angel of the Lord grabbed his hand. And said, don't do this. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply you because you've done this thing and not withheld your only son. And it says Abraham looked. I, I believe he looked about a quarter mile over north of Mount Moriah is another mount called Calvary. I believe he saw a ram. Jesus said it this way, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad in the end of John Eight, I believe he's, it's a type of Jesus. And he went over and he got that ram and he offered him in the place of his son. You can read about it, Genesis 22, verse 13 to verse 18. God said, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Hallelujah. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, the first redemptive name of God. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Hallelujah. In the mount of the Lord. And he rejoiced in God's provision. But it tells us this in Hebrews chapter 6. If you want to read in verse 17. You can read verse 10 to verse 20 on your own. But in verse 17 it says, Wherein God willing more abundantly to show the heirs of the promise. The unchangeable, unchangeability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. He said, listen, Abraham, blessing, I'm going to bless you. Multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. Amen? And I'm not going to change from my word. Hallelujah. So God confirmed the promise. Now, if you really study this out, this confirmation as we read on down, it says in verse 18 that by two immutable, unchangeable things, and it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong confidence who fled to lay 
refuge on the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, sure and steadfast, which enters into the veil in where the forerunner has entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What he says is Jesus is the promise. And Jesus has confirmed the promise. He's the surety of the promise. He's the guarantee of the promise. And he is the fulfillment of the promise. And so we call that 50 years of faith in God. Amen? A lifestyle of faith. You know, I, I graduated from Bible school in 1988, and God called me to Kit Carson, Colorado, to start a church. And we started a church, and we had a beautiful building built in 15 months paid for cash. Dr. Lester Summerall came in September of 1989, and he dedicated the church. After he left the church, he went to Denver, Colorado and preached in a men's meeting. And he told those men, we went up to see him. He told those men in Denver, you guys need to go to Kit Carson, Colorado and see what faith in God looks like. Hallelujah. Amen. We were up there at a men's meeting on Saturday. He preached it was like the next two nights in Denver. We went up there. They were telling us what he said. Hallelujah. I went one time to Tulsa, and he was preaching about me. He didn't even know I was in the meeting. Billy Joe Doherty's church, he was preaching about me. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Hallelujah. God was advertising for me and helped me the whole time. Amen. You know, I built that church out of paid off in 50. I came here. We'd been here for a year. We'd been working for at least 15 months, and I was walking around the park in Bear Creek the summer after we'd been here for a year. And I said, Jesus, where are you going to give me a church? Do you know it was eight years before God gave us a property? It was nine years before we got to even move in? <laughs> and all that time we were day leasing, we were working hard. But I was walking around Bear Creek Park praying and the Lord told me this. He said, Lawson, faith is a journey. Enjoy the trip. Hallelujah, what? I'm going to tell you something today. Faith is a journey. You need to enjoy the trip. And you may face some difficulties, and you may face some problems, amen? But faith is an unswayed confidence in God. It's being consistent, and you need to be keep being consistent in your confession, and you need to be being consistent in your lifestyle. You need to keep living by faith, because the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Faith is not a movement, it's a lifestyle. So keep being consistent in your faith and you will win in this race of faith. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.